0: Thank you. song is jesus paid it all i heard the savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in thee thy claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne i stand in him complete i lay my trophies down all down at jesus feet jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin had left a crimson stain white as snow
1: Good morning Happy Sabbath everyone I see some long time gone familiar faces in the audience today Welcome everyone who's joined us today for worship services Uh, In the little room over here to the side, we were talking about humor and laughter and the necessary reason that we have it. You remember that the Bible tells us laughter does good like a medicine. So uh, many of you will remember, I think, uh, John and Betty Rail. They were uh, my husband's adopted parents and uh they were grandparents to our children and betty rail was quite a poet and this morning um this is her picture she's in my bible and this morning i'm going to read you a poem that she wrote it says don't forget to laugh some of us can identify with a couple of these next lines when your dimples turn to wrinkles and your hair is turned to gray And you feel like Rip Van Winkle when you rise to face the day. Then you sometimes start to thinking about the things you've learned in life. Because the years ahead are shrinking, filled with happiness or strife. There are lots of troubles that can plague the human race. But most will burst like bubbles with a smile upon your face. You never see the shadows when you're looking at the sun, and dark depression never grows when you're bent on having fun. So when the race is over and they write your epitaph, be sure that they remember you did not forget to laugh. I hope that you find the humor and the fun in your world this week, and remember, please keep Jesus first in your life.
2: I want to bring attention to the offering today. It is for Upper Columbia Conference Bible workers. A loose offering would go towards that. It helps uh, bring Bible workers the money they need to go around and preach the message of the gospel to people in this world who need it. So let's pray over that. If you have offering, there's a box over here by the door and one by the back and um, let's pray over those offerings dear heavenly father we thank you for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us lord we ask that you will receive this percentage that we give back to you out of love and generosity of what you have given to us and we just ask that you will use it to your good pleasure that the people in this world will come to know you better because of it we thank you for all that you've done and will do for us we pray these things in Jesus name Amen it's also time for children's story and uh, people will have money for you to bring up and put into the schoolhouse that goes to help support Christian education at Pendleton Christian School and Auntie Martha has our story today <laughs>
3: Well, look at that handful. (laughs) Good morning, children. Happy Sabbath. That was lame. (laughs) Happy Sabbath.
4: Sabbath.
3: (laughs) That's much better. We just needed a ringleader. (laughs) Some of you might know that I have been Working on a building project this summer. Do you know what it is? A prison. A prison? <laughs> Not hardly. <laughs> I've been working on my own shop. So this winter, when the snow is this deep up at my house, I'll have some place to go to work on projects and enjoy the winter. Well, I have it almost done, but I didn't have the door on a couple weeks ago. And I went out there to work in the morning, and there was a little bird just trapped in the corner of my ceiling, and it was going from one corner to another, to another, to another, and back again, and it was beating its head into the corners. And I thought, I wonder how long that poor thing's been in here doing that. I wish I'd have gotten that door on sooner so I wouldn't have trapped him. And uh, maybe it was a prison I was building, Natalie. (laughs) He probably thought so. Well, I thought, what can I do? So I set a ladder up in this corner over here near the door. And I got my broom. And I thought, I'll just work him around until I get him over in that corner and I'll just kind of hold him there Well, it took me about 15 tries, but I finally got him in the corner. And that poor thing was chirping and carrying on, and it got more mournful by the second. And I thought, oh, if I could only speak bird, I could tell him I'm not trying to hurt him. I'm just trying to save his life, because he'd never get out of there. The door was like two feet down from where he was beating his head into the wall, and... He would have died before he ever found his way out. But I finally got him trapped with the broom, very gently in the corner, and I climbed up the ladder and I stuck my one hand underneath the broom and I got him. And I got down off the ladder and I took him out and I held him out like this in my hand and he was upside down on his back. And he chirped. And he chirped, and he flipped over, and he flew away. Well, you know, there was somebody else that recognized that we didn't understand the language he was trying to speak to us. Our Lord, he had sent messengers all through the years to try to tell us how much God loves us. And for some reason, our our ears just language he was speaking and so finally God sent his own son so that he could come in our flesh and speak to us in our own language and show us love the love language and if I could have just told that bird in love language I wasn't trying to squish him in the corner of the ceiling I was trying to redeem him from the situation he was in. We need to recognize that Jesus is trying to speak a special love language to us every day if we're just listening. We'll be able to hear it and we'll know that he's here to redeem us and set us free. You can go back to your seats now.
0: Okay, our next song is Let's Just Praise the Lord, and we're going to sing it through three times because there's actually three verses, hands, voice, and heart. So we're going to sing all three of them. Let's just praise. just lift our hands towards heaven and praise the lord let's just praise the lord praise the lord let's just lift our hands toward heaven and praise the lord Praise the Lord. Okay, our next song is Whiter Than Snow. snow now wash me and i shall be whiter than snow okay our prayer song is holy spirit come and if you've been doing the 40 days of prayer that's what we've been praying every day was that the holy spirit come
5: We have come to that part in our service where it is time for us to bring our blessings, our thanks, and our petitions to the Lord. So I invite you this morning to bow with me this, uh, at this time and we will go into the Lord's presence. father we just want to praise you and thank you for such a beautiful sabbath day we want to thank you for each one that is here this morning who have come to worship you we want to thank you for our our children our relatives our friends Everyone that has maybe had some difficulties in their lives that I know that you are reaching out and touching them this morning. We just ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to wrap your arms of love around our believers everywhere and for those who sincerely need your guidance and, and your direction in their lives. We pray that you will be with the leaders of this country. Despite the fact that everything sounds so bad and or looks so terrible, we know that right now you are still in control. And for that, we are thankful. We pray this morning that you will especially be with uh, Pastor Stephen As he brings us the message that you have placed on his heart, each one of us, I know, will hear something in this message that especially will come close to us and will reach into us through your Holy Spirit to give us courage, to uh, bless us and to give us strength. And now I pray that you will be with each one of us here as we go into this afternoon. May we keep the Sabbath hours holy. And as we uh, go into next week, may we come in contact with people, open the doors for us to come in contact with people who need your blessing in their lives. Thank you for listening and hearing our prayer this morning. Amen. I would like to ask you if you will take your Bibles in hand and turn to Ephesians 6. For those of you who are taking the Bibles out of the pews in front of you, uh, it's on page 1016. I thought it was interesting when I looked up the scripture in the Bible pews um, that you have in front of you that it should be page 1016 because our, our verse for today is Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. It's got the numbers in there. Not a coincidence, right? Okay, it looks like everybody has gotten to that place in their Bibles, so read along silently with me as I read it aloud. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. May the Lord add his blessing to the scripture this morning.
4: A smile
6: Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. Oh, praise the Lord. I have been sitting here on the front row praying that this microphone was gonna work. (laughs) And in fact, it is working. Um, The previous microphone I actually broke in vacation Bible school. Um, I was having as much, if not more fun than the kids. (laughs) And so, in the process of uh, telling the Bible stories, and jumping on and off the stage, and dancing to all the songs, and everything else, I finally broke the microphone. But praise the Lord, we do have a backup microphone that sometimes works, and this morning it is working. And praise the Lord even more, friends, because after the microphone broke, I was sitting in my office praying. I was saying, Lord, what are we going to do? Now we need a microphone. And microphones are not cheap, especially the kind that go over your ear, and that are sleek, and can hardly be seen. They're just wonderful to use. You can speak into them. You can sing into them. You can use them for anything and everything. And just about then, I received a text message from a friend of mine who lives in Walla Walla that I lived right across the street from when I was going to college. And he says, I have a really big problem. I said, oh, what's the problem? Can I pray for you? He says, well, I don't know if you can pray for me. The problem is, is I have a whole bunch of money here that I need to give away. I said, praise the Lord, that's a great problem to have. And he says, what does your church need right now? I said, we need microphones. He says, how much do you need for the microphones? I told him, and he donated the entire amount. Friends, yes, isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Friends, sometimes the enemy brings strategies against us in our life that he means to stop us from the mission that Christ has given us. But it's those very strategies of the enemy. And I just, I was thinking Judy here on the front row. Uh, when she came up and did the prayer in the scripture, she read the scripture in the New Living Translation, which instead of using the wiles of the devil, uses the strategies of the devil. And when she used that word strategies, it reminded me of another text which talks about Paul who said that he had a thorn in the flesh. He had a strategy that Satan was bringing against him to try to stop him from the mission that God had given him. And three times he had gone to the Lord and spent most of the night praying saying, God, you gotta take this thorn out of my flesh that's stopping me from doing what you've called me to do. But there in scripture we actually find out that God was allowing the strategy that the enemy was using against him, the thorn in his flesh, because he realized that in Paul, that strategy of the enemy was actually creating a reality which was causing Paul to have reliance on God rather than on himself. And in that strategy of the enemy, in that thorn that he'd given Paul that was actually supposed to keep him from doing what God had called him to do, God had seen that that thorn was keeping Paul humble instead of allowing Paul to become proud. And because God realized that if Paul were to become proud that that would actually be a worse thorn in his flesh than the one that he was suffering, many of the theologians that actually have looked at this passage say that they think that Paul was actually asking the Lord to help him with his eyesight because he was having a hard time seeing. And if you can imagine being a, a, an evangelist to the world who's not only supposed to preach, but is also trying to keep and record the messages that God is giving him for you and I, if you can imagine trying to do that in his day by candlelight with bad eyesight, you can understand why Paul would be begging God, you've got to help me keep my eyes. I can't do the mission you've called me to do if I can't see. But what God realized is that if Paul was actually kept humble that in that humility, he would actually be able to accomplish the mission that God had given him. The very strategy of the enemy that was meant to stop him was something that kept him dependent on God and allowed him to stay humble and fulfill the calling that God had placed on his life. Friends, each and every single one of you listening here today are experiencing a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what thorn you're experiencing, but you are experiencing a thorn. You are experiencing strategies of the enemy that he is trying to use to come against you, to stop you in your own special individual calling and purpose that God has placed you in this world for, but I want to let you know something. The strategies of the enemy, the things that he actually uses to try to stop us, God uses us to keep us dependent on him. He's never wanted us to accomplish what he's called us to in our strength, but instead he's wanted us by those strategies and attacks of the enemy to realize our weakness, so that in our weakness, his strength can be made perfect and we can go to the world and accomplish the mission that God has given us. Thank you so much, Judy. I didn't know whether I was going to need the mic boom or not and thank God I don't. So friends, each and every single one of you here today are called by God. And right now we are actually in a season of our church life where we are in the season of nominating committee. Now, <laughs> I know most people hear nominating committee and they're like, oh, nominating committee. Some people say, I have to make sure that I'm not on the platform the Sabbath, that we select people from nominating committee because if you're on the platform, you're gonna get selected for nominating committee. Well, just a few weeks ago, we actually had inserts in your bulletin which were actually intended to ask each and every single one of you to help me pick the pre-nominating committee, otherwise known as the organization committee. Now, the organization committee actually selects the secretary and the members of the nominating committee. And so what we accidentally did is we accidentally put nominating committee ballot on the ballot that we gave you, and many of the people who filled it out thought that they were literally selecting the nominating committee. And so this week, we have included in your bulletin an opportunity for you to help us select our pre-nominating committee, otherwise known as our organization committee, which will actually, led by the Holy Spirit, help us choose the nominating committee Which will be reaching out to you, the members of Christ's church, his body, and asking you to serve in the ways that God intends for you to serve at this time and in this season. So, if you can, I want you to take this slip of paper before you leave today and put five names on it that you believe should be on the pre nominating committee, people that are going to come together and pray and allow God to lead them in selecting the people who will be on our nominating committee which will work to help fill the offices of this church which are on God's mission to take the gospel of his kingdom into all the world as a witness to all the nations so that Jesus can come again. Now, can we get excited about that? Friends, when you are actually called to be a part of the pre-nominating committee, the organization committee, the nominating committee, and when that committee calls you and says, you know what, God's put it on our heart, we wanna ask you to serve in this way for the church, You are being asked to be a part of Christ's body. You are being asked to become living stone built on Christ the cornerstone to accomplish the purposes that God has for his church. And his church literally exists to be on mission, a mission that is so beautiful, a mission to share the name of Jesus with people from every tribe, language, and tongue on planet Earth so that everyone who hears his name and believes on him will have eternal life in place of death. I think that's a beautiful mission to be a part of, and I hope you do too. Secondly, friends, I am so excited because this week, the offering that we are going to take up that you can actually leave at, in the box at the back door or as you go out the side door, if you exit that way, up here at the front, we have two boxes where you can leave an offering. And today, the Upper Columbia Conference offering is literally for Bible workers. I want to tell you a little bit about why Bible working is so near and dear to my heart. I was actually afforded the opportunity by the Estacada Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Hoodview Church in Boring, Oregon, to go to Arise Lightbearers when it was actually located in Jasper, Oregon, to take Bible worker training back in 2011. This was actually before I ever went to Walla Walla University, before I ever went to Andrews University and had any theological or uh, Masters of Divinity training. I had the opportunity to go through the Arise Institute for Soul Winning and Evangelism, which trains people to be Bible workers. And that was literally one of the best experiences of my entire life. In 100 days flat, we memorized 100 scriptures And while we were going to school there and reading books and learning the cycle of evangelism and going out into Eugene, Oregon and knocking on doors and gaining decisions for Bible studies and praying with people and doing all of this work, we were literally memorizing 100 scriptures which we could be randomly tested on at any time. And in order to actually graduate from a rise with highest excellence, you literally could only make three mistakes in the writing of those scriptures— In the entire time that you went there, you were tested once each week over a 100-day period of time. You learned 100 scriptures. You could be randomly tested on any of them, and you were only allowed three mistakes in the entire 100 days in order to graduate with highest excellence. Can you imagine the pressure of test day? (laughs) I can remember actually going up and down the mountain. There was a road that went up and down a hill that we called the mountain. It's really just a hill. It went up and down this hill right outside of rise and we would walk up and down the hill each day, me and my classmates, and we would memorize the texts. And friends, I just wanna tell you something. Spending time in God's word, spending time in memorizing his word is one of the best things that you can do because when the enemy comes at at you with his strategies, when the enemy comes at you to try to discourage you, when the enemy does things to you to try to stop you from doing what God is calling you to do, it's in those moments that you can actually proclaim God's word, his promises over your life and find the strength to continue marching forward in the mission that God has given you. And so friends, as you are actually giving your offering this morning you are giving offering to help hire bible workers that have been trained to come into the church and to help the church Go out, gain decisions for Bible studies, study with people who are wanting to study the Bible, pray for people to be out door to door in your communities working with people so that they can learn the word of God, so that they can know the promises that sometimes we take for granted, store them in their heart, and so when the temptations and the trials and the wiles and the strategies of the enemy come against them in their life, they will be prepared with God's word to stand firm and to proclaim the gospel of his kingdom and Christ's love for you and me. And so I talk about this and I share with you my experience as a student at Arise Lightbearers because, friends, I'm actually now working on a strategy to bring a Bible worker here to the Pendleton Adventist Church and the Pilot Rock Church District. And not only that, I've actually been working with Lightbearers Arise to get the online version of their school that I will actually be able to share with 12 of the members here who volunteer to be trained to be Bible workers in this church. And so the plan is hopefully to hire a Bible worker and then train 12 volunteers that that Bible worker can organize so that we as a team and I'm going to be on that team, we will be able to go out into this community and we will be able to serve the people, meet them in their homes, study the Bible with them, pray with them, and share with them the word of God that can lead them to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and eternal life for everyone who knows his name. So I'm very excited because I didn't even know that the offering this week was for Bible workers, but this is something that I have been talking about with my elders and my deacons and the different leaders that I'm working with, my my office secretary, Sandra. We've been talking about our need for Bible workers and to train workers in this church and to also bring in a Bible worker that can work together with them to organize them in the mission that God has given all of us. There's one last thing I want to talk about that's very important, and I know sometimes when I get up to give a sermon, it sounds like I'm giving announcements, but friends, It's important that we understand that as part of the church, as part of the body of Christ, God is actually calling us to actually be aware of and to know each other's trials, burdens, and needs. Can I get an amen for that? We don't just come to church to sing songs and to read scriptures and hear sermons, but we come here because God is gathering his people together. He's bringing us together so that we can pray together, so that we can praise him together, but so that we can also bring our needs and our burdens to the church so that we can help each other and assist each other in doing the things that God has called us to do. So the last thing I'd like to talk to you about is our Worthy Student College Fund. As you'll notice, I have actually written in the bulletin a little excerpt, I'm not gonna reread that to you, on the Worthy Student College Fund and on the reason that I am asking you to consider making a donation to the Worthy Student College Fund. But I wanna talk to you about the Worthy Student College Fund for this reason. When I was actually called to be a pastor, when God actually asked me to be a pastor, do you know what I was doing for work? Can anyone guess? Some of you probably know my testimony, so you know what I was actually doing for work. When God called me to be a pastor and I started as a volunteer pastor in Estacada, Oregon, I was doing what? Does anybody know? Washing dishes. Somebody does know. All right. I was literally washing dishes at the local Red Robin in Gresham, Oregon, at Gresham Station. And so I would literally go out and I would go on Wednesday to prayer meeting and I would go on Friday down to the church and we'd get everything ready and I'd be there on Sabbath and I'd be doing all of the work for the church. And when I would get done with all of my Sabbath duties and sundown would come, the minute sundown would come Sabbath night, I would be down at the dish pit at Red Robin washing dishes. I literally spent my time working at Red Robin over the entire time that I pastored the Esticated Church so that I could afford to support myself while I was volunteering to help lead that small church which could not afford a pastor. Friends, it's very important for us to know that whether or not we are working in full-time ministry as a pastor or a Bible worker, that each and every single one of us, no matter what your occupation is, is called to be a part of God's mission to take the gospel to the world. Friends, when we actually donate to the Worthy Student College Fund, we are supporting our young people in getting an Adventist education, or we are also supporting some of our young people in meeting needs that they have, whether or not they're attending an Adventist school or a public college. We are helping them to follow God's calling on their life, to be trained to go out and work in our world. And the most beautiful thing is, is that they're not only being trained for a career, but they're also being trained to be disciples, to be missionaries, to follow Christ, and to be people that in whatever occupation they're in, in whatever people that they interact with in their daily lives, that they have a testimony about Jesus Christ and can share it with others. Isn't that beautiful? In fact, we actually know in Acts 18, verses 1 through 3, that Paul himself was not only an evangelist and a preacher, he was not only both a Roman and also a very respected Jewish Pharisee, but he was also a tent maker. That's right. When Paul went into different communities, he actually got jobs and worked in the occupation that he'd been trained to do so that he could earn money, so that he could help support himself in doing what God had called him to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we actually find in the Bible a passage that helps us to see that God has called all of us, no matter what gift he has given us, to be a part of the mission that he has bestowed upon his church. Check this out. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, we have several college students here in this church. I think one of them's actually gonna be training to be a pastor, one of them's gonna be training to be a teacher, we have another one that's going to school for psychology, and we have another one that is going to school to actually learn to assist a dentist, to be a dental assistant. And I just wanna let you know something, anytime my teeth are getting dirty or they're hurting, I'm really glad that I can go and see a dentist, right? In fact, we have several dental assistants that work here in this church. And I just want to let you know that whether the student is going to study to be a pastor, whether they are studying to be a teacher, whether they are are studying to go into psychology and to be able to do Christian counseling, or whether they are studying to go and be a dental assistant, that each and every single one of them, no matter what their career is or the way that God ends up training them to go and make money, every single one of them also has a calling on their life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our world. And that's why... Sending our young people to be trained to do the things that God has called them to do and to, be, to have their relationship with Jesus Christ solidified even more is so important. And so friends, I just want you to consider giving a gift to the Worthy Student College Fund so that we can support our young people. And as many of you will read in the bulletin, it is absolutely true that without the miracles that God has done in my life, I would not be standing here today as your pastor. Because the Esticated Church not only sponsored me to go through a rise in lightbearers for soul winning and evangelism to become a Bible worker, but the Esticated and the Hoodview Church also gave me a worthy student college fund every single year, and here's the beautiful thing about our worthy student funds. Our universities match dollar for dollar every single dollar that our churches give, And when students go and actually study to be pastors, not only is it matched by Walla Walla University, but the university church at Walla Walla matches for every single theology student that goes to Walla Walla University. And so that means that every single dollar you give to help train one of our pastors that's gonna be in the mission field in the future, every dollar you give actually turns into three dollars for that student and helps them to earn their degree so that they can go and do the thing that God has called them to do without suffering tons of crippling student debt. And so I just want to praise God for what he's done in my life, and I actually take the time to talk about this and encourage you to to help our young people that are being trained in the things that God has called them to do, because without the help that the church gave me, I would not be able to stand here today as your pastor and serve the Pendleton and Pilot Rock Church District. So thank you so much for allowing me (laughs) to talk about these things with each and every single one of you. And so this morning, the sermon title is Onward, Christian Soldiers. Now, it's really interesting that when we actually look at the ministry of Jesus here on this earth, Jesus actually went out and called disciples as well. And as each and every single one of you are actually called, when you come to Jesus and you you make the decision to repent of your sin when you turn away from the world and you turn to jesus and you come to him and you make the decision to be baptized in water you're not just making the decision to be baptized for jesus to forgive you of your sins and to give you eternal life but you're literally making the decision to lay down your life so that god through the holy spirit can live in you you are making the decision to become one of jesus disciples and it's really interesting because if you actually look at the demographic in Jesus' day, you see that some were actually chosen by the religious leaders to go to the synagogues to be trained to be a Pharisee, to be a Sadducee, and some of them even went off to live out in the middle of the wilderness to study, to become a Essenes, because they were even more theologically conservative than the Pharisees themselves. But what's interesting when we look at the ministry of Jesus is that Jesus called people from many different backgrounds who worked in many different trades, Jesus called people that none of the religious leaders of that day would have ever chosen. How do I know this? Well, if you actually look at the professions of all of the different disciples, you find out the kind of people that Jesus was choosing to call as his disciples to help him in the mission of proclaiming the gospel into all the world as a witness to all the people on planet Earth. Check this out. You had fishermen. Yes, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, all worked as fishermen. You can find that in Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. Jesus literally called people who were fishermen. And to be a fisherman, while it was a very needed trade, people needed the fish that these people were catching to be able to actually sustain their diet and survive. But being a fisherman, was not a career that your religious leaders would come and say, hey, uh, can you guys come out of your boat and come down to the synagogue and we're gonna train you guys to be the religious leaders of all the Jews? That's That's not the job that you had to get called. And so Jesus went out and called Andrew, Peter, James, and John to be his disciples, to follow him, and to proclaim the gospel to the world, and they were fishermen. Nobody would have chosen them. We also see that Jesus chose Matthew, also called Levi, a tax collector. We also see that Jesus actually kept company with Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. He went and ate in his house. Did you know that Jewish people would not be seen dead actually hanging out with a tax collector? Tax collectors were hated. They were considered traitors because they were working for Rome, which was the kingdom that was actually oppressing the Jewish people. Jesus called somebody that nobody would have called. A tax collector. But it gets even crazier. Jesus also called Simon a zealot. Now, being a zealot is not even really a profession. (laughs) Zealots engaged in political anarchy, attempting to overthrow the Roman government. Simon may have been a revolutionary, a politician of some kind, and when he joined Jesus, he remained very zealous in his views. Jesus was calling a zealot, somebody who was trying to cause trouble and overthrow the Roman government. Who are these people that Jesus is calling? It gets crazier though. Check this out Jesus even called a thief to be one of his disciples. As we all know, Judas served as the treasurer in Jesus' band and was often offended when Jesus was showing compassion and mercy and generosity to others or receiving generosity from those who saw Jesus for who he was. And Jesus called a man that he knew was a thief to be one of his disciples. Now the Bible doesn't actually tell us what the professions of the other disciples were But I think the point that I'm making is clear. Jesus calls people to serve him that many of us would never call ourselves. And friends, that's good news for each and every single one of us that are here today. You see, because Jesus calls us not because of who we are, not because of what we do or what we've done, but Jesus calls us because of who he is. You see, he knows all about us. He knows what our professions are. He knows what our character traits are that are seen as strengths. He knows about our weaknesses. He knows about the things that we do well and he also sees our flaws and yet he calls. I'll never forget when God called me. I was an eight-year-old little boy. At the time, I didn't know about the things that were gonna happen in the future of my life. Maybe at eight years old, I felt qualified to be a world evangelist. I felt called to do what I saw my father doing all the time, preaching and singing and teaching people about Jesus. At eight years old, when I felt the calling for the first time, I felt qualified for the call. But as life went on at 12 when my parents got divorced, at 19 when I attempted suicide, at 24 when Jesus called again, I found myself homeless sleeping at a bus stop. I no longer felt called. You see, the strategies of the enemy against my life had brought me to a place where I felt broken and weak and hopeless and useless. And when Jesus called me at 24 years old, sleeping in a bus stop, I said, <laughs> you're calling me? You want me? You want the thief? You want the fisherman? You want the, ze- you want the messed up? You want the broken? Are you kidding me? Why would you ever pick me? I don't have anything to offer you. Oh, I know Stephen, I know you don't have anything to offer me, but I'm not calling you because of what you have. I'm not calling you because of what you currently do or what you've done. I'm not calling you because of your gifts. I'm calling you because of who I am and what I have for you because it's in your weakness that my strength can be seen. It's in your brokenness that my light can shine. It's it's in the ways that everyone's gonna look at what I do in your life and what I do through you and what I speak through you to the world. It's those things that are gonna teach people to believe in me and not in you. And you had to come to this place where you felt broken and humbled and down and low so that my strength could be made perfect in your weakness and you could be used to do what I've called you to do. How many of us here today can see the strategies that Satan's bringing against us in our lives? How many of us here today can think of at least one thing that's frustrating us or worrying us? How many, thing, how many of us here today feel like we've been called by God to be a part of a mission that it's going to be impossible for us to complete? Matthew chapter 28, we, we move from the call to the mission All of us have been called, and now we find out what we've been called to, and when you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, you see a very clear call. The great commission that God gave the first 12 disciples at the time, it was actually only 11 because one of them had betrayed Christ, but friends, look here, the great commission that... Christ gave to his disciples and realized that that as people who have chosen to follow Jesus, you are also disciples and that this mission is for you. But don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, we find the Great Commission. And it says, starting in verse 16 of Matthew 28, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. I love that they put that there. Because friends, when we see Jesus, when we hear his call, many of us, we worship him, but we still doubt. And this isn't just true for the members of the church, but this is true for me. There are moments and times in my life when I'm going up against things, when I'm suffering trials, when I'm having sicknesses in my body, when I'm going through financial crisis, when I see the loved ones around me that I care about most, struggling through things in this world, that I'm like, yeah, God, I see you. Yeah, I know you're there. Jesus, I know you're on the throne. I know that you, you came to life on the third day after giving your life for me. But God, sometimes I still doubt Sometimes we can see Jesus working in our life or we can remember the ways that he's worked in our life in the past, but when we come to that trial, when we come to that moment when we're being tested, when we see that strategy of the devil coming against us, when we're in the middle of the war that we're all facing as Christian soldiers in this world, we doubt. Am I the only one here today that that finds yourself doubting in that moment of crisis that's come against you? Let's go on, and and Jesus came and spoke to them. You know what I love about Jesus? He's speaking to these disciples, knowing that they actually doubt that it's even him. (laughs) Okay, it looks like Jesus. I'm pretty sure we saw him crucified and put to death, but, you know, and we've had him appear to us several times over the last 40 days, but, you know, is it really Jesus? I don't know. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now we know actually through the gospels that the disciples had actually proclaimed Jesus as Lord. They'd seen the scars in his hands, They'd seen the scar in his side. He had performed miracles for them, all kinds of things. But scripture here is saying they're still doubting. They're still doubting. How many of you here today can remember a time in your life when God has done something for you? And you know for a fact that what happened in your life was grace. That you know for a fact that what happened in your life was an intervention that God did because you called out to him in prayer. You brought him your weakness and his strength was present, his provision was present, and he made a way for you where there was no way. I know each and every single one of you here today can think of a time when God has showed up in your life, but friends, I know that as people who are called to be Christian soldiers, as people who are called not only to to come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins, but also be called to be part of the mission of proclaiming the gospel to the world as we live our lives in this world as Christian people, as Christian soldiers following Jesus, we too actually find ourselves doubting. Now not only do we know that we have a call and we have a mission, but friends, any time an army goes to war, anytime you actually study about a war that has happened in history, they talk about the places that that war actually happened as theaters, right? And so now let's take a look at the theater. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, we actually see here the fact that this world has never been our home. And that actually those who came before us, the patriarchs and the prophets and the disciples and anyone who's been a part of the church before, has actually been following Christ in a world that is not our home. Here in Hebrews chapter 11 it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony." It goes through the entire history of all who were faithful and followed God even before Jesus came to this world. And in Hebrews 11.13, here's what it says. Hebrews 11.13, all of these people of faith that are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, here's what it says. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity that they could have returned. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. How many of you here are living in this world and are looking to God and saying, Lord, we're ready for that better country. We're ready for that promised land. We're ready for the thing that you've promised all of us. There are actually a couple of people in history that I really, really admire. One of them is Martin Luther King Jr. And I just wanna read to you a short excerpt from one of his speeches which says, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. How many of us here want to live a long life? How many of us, while we're alive, want to have good health? How many of us would not only like to have good health and live a long life, but while we're living our life, actually get to live it as people who are experiencing some happiness? I think that's all of us, right? Nobody wants to live longer if life is just going to be one trial and and one attack and one strategy of the devil and one misery, right? Nobody wants to live like that, but Martin Luther King says something next here. He says, longevity has its place. Sure, all of us want to live a long life, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land, and I may not get there with you, but I want you to note, tonight, today, this morning, Sabbath, the 25th of September, 2021, We, as a people, will get to the promised land. Jesus is coming again. But I've got something else to say to you. As a church, we are called to be his kingdom on earth. We, his people, his church, are his body. And the people of this world are his kingdom. And it's our mission to proclaim to everyone alive, that they are sons and daughters of God. Did you hear what I just said? To everyone, not just the people you go to church with, not just the people you like, not just the people you know, not just the people who are good to you, not to just the people who have the same views that you do. Everybody. And I actually started this sermon by talking about the call of Jesus and how he called people to follow him and be a part of his kingdom. And he was actually going to receive everything, the entire universe, all honor, glory, riches, and everything that God the Father has, Jesus has. It's all his. And when he was calling these men, he wasn't just calling them to come out of the jobs that they were in to follow him and to be a part of his kingdom. He was calling them to receive an inheritance. He was calling them to receive a promised land, an equal portion of the entire universe that he was coming into. His kingdom, everything, And when he calls you, he doesn't just call you to stop doing the things he doesn't want you to do, but instead he calls you to enter into his glory, his riches, and everything that he deserves to receive an equal portion of what he deserves that you don't deserve. Is that good news? Ellen White had a vision, and in the vision she saw the tree of life and she saw what heaven was like And friends, I just got to be honest with you. I relate to her words here that I'm going to share with you. It comes from Early Writings, page 20. And Ellen White's actually had this entire tour of heaven. Can you imagine actually getting to be in heaven and see everything there? And then have the Lord tell you, okay, now you know how wonderful this place is compared to earth, but now you have to go back and tell other people how wonderful this place is. And you're going to spend the rest of your life there being grossly underappreciated, going through anxiety, pain, suffering, and having the people that you're called to serve treat you awful. But I'm asking you to do it because they're my children. And I've let you see this because you got to go and let them know it's true. Imagine that reality. And here's what she says (laughs) The angel says, you must go back to earth again and relate to others what I've revealed to you. So you don't get to stay here. You've just saw the promised land, the place that I've prepared for you, and everything in it, you don't get to stay. It says then the angel bore me gently down to this dark world. Sometimes I think I can stay here no longer. All the things of earth look so dreary. I feel very lonely here. For I have seen a better land. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and be at rest. After I came out of vision, everything in this world looked changed. A gloom was spread over all that I beheld. Oh, how dark this world looked to me. I wept when I find myself here. And I felt homesick. I had seen a better world. And it had spoiled all of this for me. Sometimes people are confused because as a person who has a calling on my life, to preach the gospel to all the world, I look around me and I don't feel home. And if you're anything like me, when you make a decision to accept the call and become a part of the mission and you're following Jesus, this world is sometimes really lonely. I've had people tell me, Pastor, you're not supposed to tell people that you feel lonely. You're just supposed to have it all together. <laughs> Pastor, you're not supposed to let people know when you're having health problems. No, 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 no. You, you know, you just, you're supposed to be strong, right? You've got to be up here. I reject that. I'm just gonna be very honest with you. Over the last week, I was having some health concerns. I started getting weird heart palpitations, started feeling kind of funny. Here I am, I'm, I'm trying to go a million miles an hour on the mission that God has given me for Pendleton Pilot Rock in this world, and then suddenly I just don't feel myself and I can't do my job. And I went up to the doctors and, you know, they hooked me up to all these machines and were taking a look at me because my heart was racing and I was feeling funny and nauseated and weird and, well, they said, good news, you don't have (laughs) COVID-19. They said, here's some more good news. Um, Also, your heart is really strong and so I don't know if it's good news or bad news for you, but you're probably gonna be here till you're 120. (laughs) Like, thanks, doc, that's encouraging. Um, And he says, so here's the thing, You're stressed out. And and I said, I am? And he says, oh yeah, you're stressed out. And I said, yeah, but I feel happy all the time. (laughs) And he goes, oh yeah, well you can feel happy all the time, but the thing is, is you have to let your mind rest, or your body starts storing up stress all in it, and you start having symptoms like you're having a stroke or a heart attack. Yay, yay, yay. Anyone feel stressed? Yeah, there's a couple of you that will admit it right now. You're like, I don't know, I I don't really, I, I'm you know when I come to church, I want to be in my best clothes. I want to be smiling. I want to have. I don't want anyone to know what the week is like, man. Come on, don't bring that to church. We're trying to be happy. We're not trying to focus on problems here. You know what? In Matthew 24, I've been proclaiming this to this church. For weeks now, every week I bring it up, Matthew 24, what does it say? What's in Matthew 24? Does anyone in this church know what's in Matthew 24? Please tell me. What do we find there? In Matthew 24, we see the signs of the end and the time of trouble, and it's so funny the way that like, this is actually shared in Matthew 24, because he's like, hey, guess what? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and there might be some plagues and pandemics and other stuff, but don't worry about that stuff. <laughs> That's the easy stuff, and you're like, wait, What? oh yeah, no, it gets worse than that. And then you're like, I am not comforted by this picture, Lord. (laughs) Right? This is not good. He says, oh no, it gets worse than that. He says, when it gets really bad is when actually human beings have no more love in their heart and their hearts go completely cold and they no longer love each other. You think the natural catastrophes and the wars and the rumors of the wars and all of the fight and everything that you see going on and the plagues and the pandemics and all that, do you think that's bad? Oh, no, 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 no. It gets worse because there's coming a time that the world will actually have the Holy Spirit withdrawn from it and those who do not have the oil in their lamp, those who do not have the love of God in their heart, those who have actually been seeking to save their own lives by the strategies of men in this world will actually find themselves alone in a world full of darkness with a heart that is cold and they will know what to do. Do to solve it and they will actually do all of the things that make it worse rather than doing the thing that would make it better and that's allow the holy spirit of god to dwell in our hearts so his law of love can be proclaimed through the darkness the light of jesus christ through the world that's the hope we have that's the only hope we have and so you know the temptation that Jesus faced, the temptation that you and I face, Hebrews 4, 15 says that Jesus was tried and tempted in every single way that you and I have ever been tried or tempted. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus was fully divine, Son of God, up in heaven, never had to to, come to this world, and he chose to become human, he chose to come down, he chose to go through the trials, the persecutions, the suffering, and everything else, just so that he could relate to you and me. Jesus chose to come down and be fully divine and fully human so that he could be tempted in every way we are, tried in every way we are, and hurt in every way we've ever been hurt and more. Just so that he would know exactly what you and I are going through. Isn't that beautiful? That's the kind of God I want to serve. And in Matthew chapter four, eight through 10, we see in the temptations of Jesus, speaking of the fact that he was tempted in every way we do, we see a temptation that Jesus was tempted with that many of us fall for. Here was the temptation. Jesus was taken up to the very pinnacle of the temple and he was shown the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor and their glory and their riches and their power and their politics and everything else that come along with it. And the devil said to Jesus, what did he say? He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give it all to you. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, saying, and then what? The word of God teaches that we should worship who? Let me spell out for you what this temptation is really all about. The devil was actually asking Jesus to try to fulfill the mission of his father's kingdom through the strategies of the kingdoms of this world. (laughs) You could have all the riches and the wealth and the stuff. You could be great and powerful. You could be the king of every kingdom on earth. You could have all the wealth, the form, the fame, and the fortune, and everything that comes with it. You could be in charge. And you see, the same, the same temptation is actually happening to each of us. But here's the thing we've never been offered all of the kingdoms. We're just offered to be, you know, part of maybe one of the kingdoms or two, if you have dual citizenship, right? And if you actually follow, you know, the. If you follow the rules, you can be happy and have stuff, right? If you do everything according to the ways of men and to man's wisdom and everything else, then you can ha- be happy in this life and get rich and have power, right? And, and things can go well until you die, See, and and Jesus' response actually reveals to us why Jesus was here. He was trying to say, you guys, none of the kingdoms of this world or the kings of this world are the people that you want to put all of your money on or follow. You don't want to go all in for them. You don't want to fight their wars. You don't want to actually be deceived into becoming a part of kingdoms that are warring against each other, hurting and killing each other because my kingdom is people and my kingdom is all people, not just some of the people, all of the people on planet Earth and what I've called you to do is be a part of my kingdom on Earth. I want my Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because my kingdom is not only built out of people but it's sustained by love and God is love and God wants to fill you with love and use you to love others in the middle of the madness and the tyranny that's happening do you hear what I'm saying this morning church family God wants us to be a part of a kingdom now here in this world that's better than any of the kingdoms that are actually in power in this world and of course we have to actually be members and citizens of kingdoms on this earth and live within the reality, but what God is saying is is that he can actually take us from being cold stone to being living stone built on Christ, the cornerstone, to be a part of his body, to be his hands and feet. In fact, the Bible tells us that he who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who lays down his life for Christ's sake and for the gospel's sake will actually save it. Friends, here's the thing. I don't care how much wealth, fame, fortune, and things you get out of this world, all of the kingdoms of this world are fading away, and right now, in this moment, the kingdom of God is becoming more real every single day. And our need for Jesus Christ and for his saving grace and love and for him to take us out of this world and take us home is becoming greater. Friends, we can't stay here much longer. So what's the answer? Jesus came up with a battle plan. Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 28 actually tells us about Jesus' battle plan. I'm not gonna go into all of it. I'm just going to tell you about it. You can go to Matthew chapter 16, 21 to 28 and look at it yourself. Write it down. Look at it later. But here we actually see the account of Jesus telling his disciples that, hey, you know what? Not too long from now, I'm gonna go and give my life on Calvary's tree. Yeah, I'm actually gonna die soon. And and one of the disciples, Peter, who actually likes to vocalize the fact that he's not really happy with Jesus' plan because they all kind of have a different plan. Like, no, 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 Jesus, you came here to set up a kingdom in this world so that we could have all the riches and the stuff in the world and that we could lord it over everyone else that we picked the right God, right? Like, you, you didn't come here to die. That's not, that's not according to our plan. What, what we're wanting is we want to get rid of Roman oppression and we want Jerusalem to be greater than it's ever. We want Israel to be the most powerful kingdom on earth and we want to brag to everybody else that because we have the right God, we've got the power and we've got a really big wall built around it and none of you get to come in. You dirty Samaritans, tax collectors, prostitutes, all you bad, no, you, you stay out. The bad people, they don't get to come in. Just us. We're God's chosen people, right? And so Jesus is trying to tell his disciples he's gonna go give his life for them so that they can lay down their lives so that he can live in them, so that they can be a part of a kingdom that's greater than anything this world has ever seen. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna go die. Forget that, that's not happening. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You know why? Because Peter was actually falling for the temptation that Jesus didn't in the wilderness. He was like, no, 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 no. We, the disciples, we've been talking about who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom. You know, you're going to come in and defeat the enemy, and then we're going to be great. Right? We're going to have it all. Jesus is like, no, 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 I didn't come for that. I actually came to die because I don't want just Israel to know that one true God. I want the whole world to know me. I want the whole world to know that God is love and that I actually designed you and created you to live forever. I didn't design you to be sick and to die. I didn't design you for wars and rumors of wars. I didn't design you to go through earthquakes and pandemics and, and trials and, and struggles and to, to try to fight each other and kill. I don't want you to do that anymore. I'm coming to die so that all can live. I'm coming for something better than that this world can offer. Isn't that why we're following Jesus? I'm already way past time to be preaching this sermon. Some people say, why do you preach so long? More people would listen to you if you preach shorter sermons. You know what? I'm not up here preaching because I want people to listen to me or like me. I'm up here preaching because I live in a world full of people who are hurting and it's time to wake up. I live in a world full of kingdoms that are doing things in a way that are contrary to the God that I serve and I want to tell you about a kingdom that's better and I want to let you know that Jesus has called you to be a part of it and he's asked you to be on his mission and it's because he wants you to go share a name by which all people can be saved and not just so that someday we can go to heaven and live a better life when we get there but so that we can live a better life now. I want you to know that Jesus came to give us life in this world more abundantly than anything in this world can ever afford you. That's why I'm standing here talking to you today and I believe it with every fiber of my being because when Jesus called me I was nobody to all of you and everybody else. None of you would have picked me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm here speaking on behalf of someone who picked me when nobody would have picked me. I'm here speaking on behalf of someone who crossed the street to find me in my stinking and mess when I was smoking a pack and a half a day and drinking a six-pack every night to sleep. All messed up. Nobody wanted me. People crossed the street not to smell me. And he said, I'm choosing you to be a part of something great. And that's why I don't care what time it is. What I care about is is that I'm speaking to people that don't have any hope in the kingdoms of this world, but you have all of the hope in the kingdom of Jesus Christ because he's a king that came and died. He's a king that gave his life so that you can live and not just live, but live a life more abundantly than you could ever live without him. And here's the best reason why to choose him, because when you actually accept the call, he not only blesses you, but he gives you a message that's a blessing to every single person who hears it because I've got news for you. If Jesus doesn't come soon we're all gonna die and the only hope we have is that we serve a king whose war strategy was to die for us so that he would have the right to call our names after we've been put to sleep oh it's good news that the lamb slain before the foundation of the world has the power to unseal the seven seals on the scroll and open that scroll of life and read your name because he's coming to call you and when he calls you you're going home to be with a king who didn't come and ask you to fight a war for him, but fought the war for you so that you could be one of his Christian soldiers marching through this message, through this world with a message of peace, with a message of hope, with a message of truth. I just want to mention one other thing. Ephesians chapter six, 10 through 11. If I don't preach this, then I didn't do what God told me to do today. God told me I gotta come here and tell you about an armor. He said, Stephen, you gotta go and tell them about an armor and you gotta point something out about this armor to the people sitting in the Pendleton Pilot Rock Church district. Stephen, you gotta go tell people about an armor. You gotta tell them about the armor of God because the people in this world right now need the armor of God. In fact, the people of this world have always needed the armor of God. Let me tell you what the armor of God is. It says, finally, my brethren, finally, Paul is coming to the end of his message to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Does it say, Be strong in your own money and your good health? Does it say, Make sure that you're connected to the right political party within your kingdom so that you can, like, you know, get good stuff for my kingdom? no no it doesn't no be strong in the lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles against the strategies of the devil thank you very much judy for reading the scripture from the version of the bible that you did for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood oh look look at your neighbor and say you're not my enemy No, no, really, seriously, look at your neighbor and say, you're not my enemy. Okay, now look at your other neighbor, because your other neighbor is also not your enemy, even if you don't like your your other neighbor as much as you like the other one. Okay, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the unseen heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. Is there anyone in the Bible that's actually identified as the truth? Okay, so Jesus is the truth, right? Having girded your waist with the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Is there anyone here today that can actually, by your own works, obtain righteousness? So who, who is it that's righteous? Oh, okay, so Truth, Jesus, righteousness, Jesus. Okay, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Who's the prince of peace? What, who, who made the message even possible? Like, let's say that there is no Jesus. Right, so do we have a message then? Like, what are we doing? Right? Okay, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one with, Whose faith do we need? Let me ask you a question. Has your faith ever really gotten you very much in life? All right. And take up the helmet of salvation. Is anyone here um, capable of salvation? Like, can you save anyone? Really? I mean, like, can you? Could, Could we, like, maybe if we were really smart and you know, we we went to school for a lot of years and we were the most intelligent person. on how, how many people can we really save in the end? Like completely? Right. Okay, so Jesus is the salvation giver too. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Who's the word? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among men. So what the Lord said was Stephen... When you're feeling stressed out, when you're tired, when the paycheck's not big enough, when your health is failing, when all around you there's chaos and confusion and people are scared and angry and they're hurting each other, you got to come to me. You need my faith. You need my righteousness. You can't get it. You need me. I'm the armor. Jesus says I'm the armor. Called my mom the other day because I went to the doctor and they did all the tests. They said there's nothing wrong with you and I was not feeling like there was nothing wrong. And you guys know how that is? (laughs) When you're... (laughs) Oh, that's nice. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, actually there is. You just don't know what it is. All right, I'm going to go home. So what I do when things are not going right is I call mom. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because she is the one person on planet Earth I know I can call, and she's not going to judge me for what I tell her. I can tell her anything, and she's going to be like, Son, I love you. Son, I support you. Son, I got your back. What can I do for you? I'm gonna stay up. You know what she said to me? She said, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. I'm gonna stay up all night praying because I wanna see God help you and get you through this week. I want you not to be afraid. I'm not gonna sleep until you're sleeping safe and sound. He says, put on the armor. You know, we all have a friend like my mom. he says, come to me. You feeling weak? You feeling scared? Everything around in your world confusing? You tired of fighting with people over things that really don't even have any answers, really? You tired? You lonely sometimes? You scared? Come to me. Because we're fighting a war and it's not against each other. It's against the devil. And he's trying to kill all of the people that we think are our enemies just like he's trying to kill us. And here's the sad thing about the devil, here's his number one strategy. He wants me to think you're the enemy. The people not like me, those people, that's the problem. (laughs) We just get, if we get rid of them, if we could just get rid of those people, then the problem would be solved. But we would all still die, right? So, I mean, I guess we could expedite their death and then we could die later, but, you know, we would still be hopeless without Jesus. And so today, friends, I have an appeal for you. And that appeal is simple. Each and every single one of you that choose to follow Jesus Christ have been called to be a part of a kingdom and a part of an army that does not fight with the weapons of this world, but instead asks Jesus to give us his armor so that we can live in a world full of people who are no longer choosing to love and say, I'm going to live my life letting Jesus, I'm gonna lay down my life and let the love of God live through me. Jesus, I wanna lay down my life instead of seeking to save it so I can give it to you so that you can use it to save more people because when this world and all of its kingdoms are wiped away, you will finally come and you will claim your kingdom, your people that are actually present on this earth. But friends, don't forget this fact that as people who are choosing to hear the call and become disciples and go on the mission and be Christian soldiers, people that I'm saying onward, forward, march into this world or a part of a kingdom that's expanding right now in this world and we can take the love and the joy and the peace and the truth and the righteousness and the salvation that Christ has placed in our lives and invite other people to partake of it too, friends. We have hope. We don't have to be stressed out and be afraid. We don't have to let the strategies of the devil convince us to be a part of the the things that he's doing in this world, but instead we can say, onward, Christian soldiers. I want to ask you all to stand with me this morning. If you want to be a part of the army of God, if you want to do the works that Jesus did and greater works than he did when he was here in this world, if you want to be a part of a kingdom that can never fail because of the price that Jesus paid, then I want you to sing it with me today. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And I want all of our friends that are watching on Uh, the live stream right now to join us wherever you are. I don't care if you're in your car or sitting in your house or you're at work. I don't care where you are. Wherever you're hearing this sermon, people are going to think you're crazy and that's good because (laughs) we are crazy. If we're out of our mind for Jesus, then man, we're ready to take this gospel to the
7: world. Let's sing together. Onward Christian soldiers. Marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master. Leads against the foe. Forward into battle. we well, see his banner go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Like a mighty army moves the church of God, Christians we are treading Where the saints have trod We are not divided All one body we One in hope and doctrine One in charity Sing out! Onward! Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on before Oh, I love this verse right here Crowns and thrones may perish Kingdoms rise and fall But the church of Jesus constant will remain the gates of hell can never gainst that church prevail we have christ's own promise and jesus never fails sing out onward marching as to war with the cross of jesus going on before one last verse here we go onward then ye people join our happy throng blend with ours your voices in our triumph song god and honor Unto Christ the King This through countless is Both men and angels sing Sing together! Onward Christian soldiers Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on before One last time! Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Oh, Heavenly Father, I know that you can
6: hear all of the saints singing this morning, whether they're here in person or they're listening online. You see your children, sons and daughters of your kingdom, reconciled by your blood. Oh, Lord, because of you, we don't have to see each other the way we used to, but instead we can see each other as your children. We're not slaves to sin anymore, but we're friends of Jesus, friends that you're letting all of your knowledge be known to us so that we can proclaim that gospel of your kingdom into all the world world as a witness to all the nations because, Lord, you're calling us to be part of an army that has a weapon that's way different than the weapons of this world, and that weapon is a love that won't stop loving no matter what. Thank you for your unconditional love revealed to us by your cross, and Lord, may that go on before, that love shine to our world and bring peace to those who choose to follow you, to call on your name and to be saved by the only name by which men and women and children can be saved. Amen. Love you brother, happy Sabbath brother. Isn't it good news we're on the same side?